This morning we're going to read two very familiar passages. The call of Abram from Genesis 12. And then Jesus and his conversation with Nicodemus from John chapter 3. These are the appointed texts for the second Sunday of Lent. This is what we read on the second Sunday. And on the surface, they may seem unrelated. Although, if you've been paying attention to the prayers and to the words that have been sung and even to the children's sermon, there's a theme that connects them. The theme is that they both address the unknown. They both look towards that which we don't yet know or understand or or can really fully comprehend. And it's God who's pulling the characters in these passages into that unknown. They can't see the future. They can't see beyond the next hill or around the next corner or 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 to what what is that is going to be. They're not able to do that, but. And this should bring us comfort. God does know. And the point of faith is trusting that the God who knows what's in the future. The God who knows what's in the unknown and who beckons us into that unknown. The point of faith is us having enough faith to follow that God. To follow God in those ways. So today we face the unknown, just like we do every day, all the time. But in scripture, we look to the unknown. We face the unknown and we find our future, which does lie in the Lord, no matter what. And so let's think about how these people who interact with God are called into the unknown. First, as we look to Genesis chapter 12, and we share in the first four verses. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed. And now to John 3. There was a a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs apart from the very presence of God. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus says to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows 
where it chooses. And you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So on the second Sunday of Lent, we face the unknown. And any time we face the unknown, it's tempting to look back, try to recreate that which once worked. It's tempting to try to do that. It's tempting to try to look at the past and try to recreate the future in that image. But it doesn't work. And let's talk about a silly example that would illustrate how this really doesn't work. I think about cars a lot. More than you would imagine that I do. I have a Jay Leno-like list in my head of cars that I might someday acquire if, you know, I won the lottery, which I don't really play. I think my sheds are safe. But thinking about cars for a second, what if, what if General Motors was sitting around in Detroit and thought, we need to build an iconic, amazing vehicle? And so they looked back into history and they said, what is the greatest selling history vehicle in the history of all time? And they realized there was a vehicle that was made for like 50 years. And 21 million of them were sold. And they said, we should build one like that. And they said, what's the what was the what was the best selling year of that vehicle? And they they said, "Okay, well, we're going to do that one. The one that sold the most, the best. We're going to build that one. And so the next year at the Detroit Auto Show, the biggest auto show in the world, they unveiled the 1968 Volkswagen Beetle. The 1968 Volkswagen Beetle. They sold 400,000 of those things in the United States. Would it work for 2021 or two? Would you buy a... 60-year-old car with no airbags, no brakes, no power steering, no air conditioning. My mother-in-law smiling because she had one about that age and she sold it, got rid of it. Just like very few people drive 1968 Beatles, very few people wear the same kind of tennis shoes that John Wooden's team wore when they won 10 NCAA tournament titles. And as much as we love these television shows, 
Nobody is going to unveil a fall must-see TV lineup that includes the Brady Bunch, MASH, Green Acres, Hill Street Blues, Quincy, Rawhide, or Mission Impossible. We can't look to what happened before in order to plan the future as much as we want to, because the future is in many ways unknown. It requires different things of us. And, and, and God is po- calling us to different things than we're in the past. There's good news in that. The good news is that God is there in the future. And the good news is, news is God is ready to walk with us. But in both of these passages, God is calling the main character forward in a way that they're not sure they're ready. One of the most significant calls in Scripture comes here in in Genesis 12, where God calls Abram to go to a new land, to a new people, to a new place, to do something that hadn't been done before. And he gets the single promise. Through you, all the world will be blessed. Now, he is not promised that he's going to understand every step of the road. He's not promised it's going to be easy. He's not promised it even is going to make a lot of sense. The promise is through you, the world will be blessed. Now, if God spoke to you clearly in a way that you knew it was God. And said, I need you to go to a new place. And by going, all the world is going to be blessed. Some of you are like, yeah, great. Sign me up. I'll go. And some of you will say, no, I'm just fine right here. Thank you very much. I'll stay in Oxford. And we're not judging each other on that right now. But Abram said, yes, he'll go. And from Abram's, Abram's call, what we see is that God calls us towards things where there, there might not be any assurance of the specifics. We can be assured that in the long run, the, the telos, the ultimate end, is one that is with God. And the, the, the promise that Abram got is that all were going to be blessed. And, and so, it, so it's important for us to remember in preaching and in worship, Where we are walking toward is always life with God and eternal life with God. That is what's promised. And so Abram follows the Lord's call to the promised land. It was not a perfect route. There were difficulties, terrible infidelities. Abraham only begins to kind of experience how the story unfolds ultimately. But Abram moves forward. And I hope Nicodemus did too. But Nicodemus shows us, well, how difficult it is to look back. I read Nicodemus charitably. I think he is inquisitive and he's a Pharisee who's looking for understanding. He's seen that there's something to Jesus. And so he's not being a skeptic or a detractor. He's seeking to understand. And and so he comes and he asks a question and Jesus says, you've got to be born from above. And Nicodemus, only knowing how to look back. Does the 2022 equivalent of Chevy unveiling a super beetle and says, can how can I be born after having been grown old? 
Do I go back into my mother's womb again? Doesn't make sense. Jesus recognized this, recognizes this and says, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we've seen. We speak to what we know. We testify to what we've seen. We know our history, what we've experienced. But like Abram, Jesus is going to pull Nicodemus forward. He's going to call Nicodemus and the Pharisees and all of his followers into a new era of belief directed towards his end. Jesus was sent so that all who believe can have everlasting life. So to be born again is not to look back and go into the womb again. It's to see that there is a new way to be born. There is more to life than Nicodemus could have imagined. And there's so much more to come by by being saved by Jesus. We don't reach all that God has for him and for us by looking back just to what we knew. But we reach what the Lord is calling us to by approaching the unknown. By by reaching For that which we cannot on our own get to. And by seeing that the world that is saved through Jesus and his ministry. Is the one that God is calling us into. And so what does it mean for us? What does this do for us? How do we face uncertainty? Well, it's kind of difficult, but. But, but the reality is our lives are uncertain. I remember a scene from the, the show Friends where Joey walks into the apartment that Chandler is cleaning. He sits down on the couch. He crosses his legs, puts them on the coffee table, and they fall to the floor because the coffee table is no longer where it was supposed to be. In the moment, he looks to Chandler and says, Monica's going to kill you. Because you had moved the coffee table. You had removed the certainty. We, we love the certainty. We need the certainty. But life will be uncertain. And so what do we do to follow God through an uncertain life? Well, first, we, we should see that when we approach the scriptures, we should approach them like Abram and Nicodemus. Abram was a child of God being called forward into a place and a land that he didn't know or understand. And that's been the nature of God's call from the beginning. We're going to be called to something beyond what we can understand. And from Nicodemus, we learn that we can't just look backwards. Past performance is no promise about previous results. Remember, they're not going to re-release the 1968 Beatle. You don't run the old gag twice, you do the next gag, Basher said in Oceans 13. Nicodemus looks back for a solution to the unknown, but that's not how God's going to work. So as we look to God, we're going to have to face the unknown. And that's the first part of the call to Abram and to Nicodemus. Face the unknown and don't always look back for the answers. Second, we draw assurance from the ministry of Jesus. Now, think about the ministry of Jesus, the whole ministry. We can't be 
an exact replica of Jesus's life and ministry. And I don't think God is calling us to be that. But we can take inspiration from someone who gave himself to others, who taught in situations that were good and bad, who offered forgiveness and love, even or even especially to those who may not have automatically needed it or wanted it or been easy to love. And though he met his ultimate end in the ultimate uncertainty by dying on a cross, we can see that even Jesus faces the uncertainty of death and gives life through resurrection. God finds and offers resurrection when only we can see death. And so, draw assurance from Jesus who faced uncertainty and responded. God responded in Jesus through resurrection. Third, remember that the hope is the hope and the help comes from places that we can't quite see. We used the words of Psalm 21 in our call to worship. And Pat read Psalm 121, which says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. That's where my help comes from. There's one way of, of, of reading that that considers, okay, well, the cavalry is going to come over the hill and rescue us as we're dealing with an invading army. But you and I are not in a battle with armies. It's poetry for us. And it's psalms that remind us that, we are, that when we are called to the places we do not know, there's help beyond that hill we cannot see yet. And that help comes from the almighty God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. We are called by God to go somewhere that is unknown. But in crossing over that hill. Beyond where we can currently see. That's where our help comes from. If we want to meet God, it's over the next hill. Not going past to the last one. God meets us up ahead. And finally, we can remember and be assured that the way that we get there is by walking with God. God promises Abraham, go to the land I will show you. Walk with me and I will show you where you need to go. Jesus in John 3.16 reminds us that, that our eternal life ends with him. Our life with him ends in eternal life. But it's not just that the promises of, of his presence is over the next hill, but, but he's with us along the way. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter what unknown we face, eventually we find Jesus, but even along the way we find Jesus. Remember the story from Emmaus? Were our, were our hearts not strangely warmed as we were walking along the road? And it was Jesus who had been walking with them the whole way. It's not just Jesus who is there when we get there, but Jesus walks with us as we go. Jesus reminds us that God is with us on the way as long as we're headed that way. Facing the unknown is scary. It's easy to stand up here with confidence and and proclaim all this. It's harder to go out and do it. I'll admit that. But maybe this is a pep talk 
then, right? We want reliability. We want certainty. We want to know what's coming. We want to know that the, the couch and the, the, the coffee table are in the right place at the right time. And we can't know everything with certainty. We just can't. Planning for the future is essential, but knowing what's to come is impossible. And that's where faith and the promises of faith come in. Since we can't know what is to come, we learn, we listen, and we realize the lessons that Abram and Nicodemus were taught, and we let them lead us there. We cling to help from a God who, even though he leads us into the unknown, promises to meet us in that unknown and walks with us through the places we've been called, even through the valley of the shadow of death. And shows us that if we want to get there, we don't look back. We look ahead. Go to the land, I will show you, God says. The way there is not to put on some old Chuck Taylors, to re-enter your mother's womb, or to rebuild the 1968 Volkswagen Beetle. The way to meet the Lord is to boldly, confidently, and humbly walk alongside the Lord into the unknown, believing and looking to the realization that when we get there, that's where God meets us. That's my prayer for you and for me today, that as we go there and as we get there, the Lord meets us each step of the way. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give thanks for this day you have given us. We give thanks for having been gathered in a church to worship. And we give thanks that through the songs that have been sung, the words that have been said, the prayers that have been offered and the scripture that has been read, we have had a chance to hear from you. Lord, I pray that we have all heard from you in some way today. And I pray that your call and your presence will continue to work on our hearts and in our hearts. That we might walk with you into the unknown, knowing one thing for sure, that as we head into the unknown, you are there with us and you are there to meet us. And in that place, we find you. May we find you, Lord, today as we step forward and as we walk along the way. Hear these prayers. We offer them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who calls us forward. Amen.